heard saying such and such. Him. And to me, it was all viewed dramatically in my writing, in the, the, the eerie and uncanny invasion of one person's world by another person's world. That if I invade your world, you will probably sense something alien entering your world, because my world is different from yours. And if you're if you're strong, you will fight it. You must you must of course fight it. I mean, you should fight it. Um, but we don't because a lot of it is subtle, and we just have intimations that our worlds are being invaded. We don't know where where this in, you know invasion of our personal integrity is coming from. It comes from authority figures in general. like a pink laser beam of truth beaming straight from San Diego, California to your brain hole. We just lost Peoria, Illinois in a game of bluff to a bunch of slugs from Titan, but we're still here to do our podcast. So today on my left is <laughs> me, Anthony Trevino, author of author of horror comic fruition and consistent, not so consistent contributor to a bunch of online pop culture outlets. All right, and uh, I'm David Agaroff. I am author of The Vegan Revolution with Zombies, Pope Rock Ghost Story, and soon to be released from Clash Books, Goddamn Killing Machines. And our third dickhead tonight is... Uh, I'm Langhorn J. Tweed. <laughs> yes, so we're all here and ready to talk PKD. This is our first book episode after our break. Yay! I'm yeah. just glad I can finally be done with Man in the High Castle. Right. Yeah, so we did a... A lot of we were the Man in the High Castle cast for a little bit, but we're uh, moving on to uh, Game Players of Titan. But, moving on to Slugs. Yeah, but before we get to that, we do have some PKD news. So there's a lot of uh, media sources in England that are reporting that some British security services are moving to using a pre-crime style uh, research system. So this, and I have this quote here. It says, and this is from uh, telecoms.com, which is like um, a uh, technology um, website. And it says, quote, a new research by Cardiff University and Sky News shows that at least 53 local UK councils and 45 of the country's police forces are heavily relying on computer algorithms to assess the risk level of crimes against children as well as people cheating on benefits, has raised many eyebrows on both the method's ethical implications and its effectiveness with references to Philip K. Dick's concept of pre-crime. So basically, England's using pre-crime, which is kind of interesting. But I, I wonder saw, how that works. What yeah. do you mean by cheating benefits? Uh, you know, like people who um, say that they are on disability, but oh. like they're not. Got it. Yeah. They're, like, going to the gym and doing squats. They say, like... Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Uh, what's really interesting about this is I saw a bunch of different articles on this, and they, of course, all of them reference Minority Report and pre-crime, so it was kind of interesting. 
But the, yeah, that's all I got on that. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts or comments on the fact that UK, the UK is a bunch of these police departments are using pre-crime. One more step to a government trying to control everything everyone does. Yeah, I do, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not, not sure how it. I feel about that. I'm not for it, if that's what you're yeah. asking. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's that, rather intrusive. Yeah. And if you're going to leave how you treat your citizens up to just the basis of an algorithm, I'm not sure how humane that is. I'm also just not sure how... I, I, I accurate. I, yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, I don't even know how that can be accurate. All right. Well, the next piece of PKD news is the nominations for the Philip K. Dick Award have been released. So, drum roll, please. Yeah, the nominees are "Time Was" by Ian McDonald, "The Book Lot" or "The Body Library" by Jeff Noon, "84K" by Claire North, "Alien Virus Love Disaster" by Abby. <laughs> My Otis. That's that. Yep. I like, like the that. name of that book. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's the one that I had heard of before <laughs> Before this. Theory of Bastards, which is a great title, uh, by Audrey Schulman. And Ambiguity Machines and Other Stories by Vonda Singh. And I have read a Vonda Singh's short story, and it was great. So huh. we're going to try to get whoever the winner is on for an interview, just like we did last year. With Carrie Vaughn, yeah. last year's winner. We should definitely do that. Yeah, and uh, but in the meantime, um, I did put a hold at the library on a couple of these books, so I'll let you know. The winner and any special citations will be announced on Friday, April 19th, 2019 at NorwestCon 42 in Seattle. At the Baimon Sci-Fi Con. Yeah, so... That is, uh, Norwest Con is a cool con. I went to it in Portland before. So, uh, that's neat. And hopefully, you know, congratulations to all the nominees. If you're listening. And the last piece, I don't know, do you guys have anything else about the PKD Award? Mm, no. Nah, not me. Okay. So, in the last piece of uh, Philip K. Dick news is there was recently a comics biography published of Philip K. Dick. And it's called... Phil K. Dick, a comics biography. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It really went out on limb for that title, huh? Uh, and it's from NBM Publishing. It's $24. It was written by Laurent, and I don't know how to pronounce this last name, Queasy. It's Q-U-E-Y-S-S-I. And illustrated by Maru Marchesi. Is this, Maru. is this from, where is this from? This is, um, I Quebec? think. I think it's from England or Probably France. 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 France seems to have a, a, a big population of, uh, of Dick fans. Yeah, yeah. Well, he always said that that's the only place where he got the respect in his lifetime. Right. I've noticed a lot of genre writers that have said that. That yeah. France is a, Just that is a good place? Non-U.S. places seem to take <laughs> the genre fiction more than the States. Yeah, and I know some of our listeners have um, already checked out this comic. I've seen a few people on Twitter talking about it. It looks really good. I've seen a few pages from it. So it's definitely on my list. So that's it for PKD news. Uh, we don't have any new uh, information on... Uh, I was looking for stuff on the Blade Runner comics. I haven't seen anything. Uh, we got like a lot of good stuff going on <laughs> with uh, PKD news, but nothing new on the movie front. I do know that uh, Man in the High Castle Season 4 has had a trailer, I believe, and it is coming soon. I just do not care. Yeah, well... You can skip over all the Man in the High Castles. 
Well, yeah, but we, we don't know how it's all good the second a, season is. David has some opinions about that. What do you? I have started watching season two. But. So, Anthony, what do you think? Do you think second, the second season has a shot at being good? It could, but do you I'll think never it see it? Yeah, it's a different showrunner than the first one. So, yeah. keep that in mind. All right, I'll add it to the list of a million other things that I should watch but won't watch because there's well, too you know, we're gonna have to cover it sometime on this. Can you get a guest for that? So, yeah, we could totally do that oh, if you don't. If you absolutely don't want to do it. Yeah, we can definitely do that. Yeah, Larry, but, or know, Larry and I can just do it. Solo. It'll be it'll oh, be y'all. six months from now at least. Special guest Evan Lampy. He likes Man in High Castle. Actually, he has not watched oh the series. He has uh, said that he does not want to see the translation. Ah, so, nice. Uh, dick like suggestions. Langhorn J Tui, do you have a dick like suggestion? I have about a thousand of them. But well, how about I, I'm gonna I'm gonna two. I'm I'm going to make this a a bit different, and I'm going to talk about ARGs in general, and specifically about a couple of them. So for, so, for the audience, tell them what ARGs are. ARGs are alternate reality games, and know. these are basically usually it starts with a bunch of videos on YouTube, or a, a post on Reddit, or certain emails are sent, or Twitter feed, or. Something happens to start basically a, a game online where a a creator makes a reality that is separate from our own and invites people to join them on these these trips through different realities that so they have created. Are these improvisational? They are not improvisational. Okay. Uh, they can be uh, elements of Im- improvisation take place when there are things like like Twitter votes to see which way someone should go or things like that. So they're, they are audience participation events. And there are certain things where sometimes you have to figure out clues to understand what they're talking about or where the, the story is going. And most of the time it's done by groups of people that figure these things out. It's not... It's not as simple as figuring out, you know, one of the one of those mazes that you follow with your finger or anything like that. It's people that are good at programming can figure out stuff inside videos and you know the code inside videos that that help figure out these realities and what's really going on. And a lot of time it's done as promotional material for movies and and books and stuff like that. But and video games is a lot of video games. But the uh, but they're just really interesting. It's an interesting new medium for for uh, for fiction, and it's very PKD in the sense that they are alternate realities. You have to accept that there's a different reality going on in these in these games. Each particular game has its own reality, and uh, I just want to mention a couple of them. Uh, some of them are finished. Some of them are ongoing. Some of them are abandoned and may never come back. I don't know. Uh, let's see. We've got uh, one of the biggest ones was Marble Hornets, which is a uh, what's his name that 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 stupid guy with the big arms and they made a crappy movie of him, the oh, Slender Man. Oh. <laughs> <Rock>. <laughs> So he said big arms. You Mar- could not have been more wrong, David. <laughs> Marble, Marble, Marble Hornets is long arms. Marble Hornets is a YouTube series of 
films about a guy trying to make a, a small movie, a student film, and it's interrupted by the Slender Man slowly coming in and torturing this kid. It's actually, it's a lot of fun to watch. And there are similar ones like uh, Everyman Hybrid is also sort of in that similar vein. Uh, the West Records, also in that similar vein. There's a current one called The Sun Vanishes, or The Sun Vanished, and that is on Twitter. And it's about a world where the sun has just disappeared. It's night all the time. And there's little alien lights that are flying around and turning people into zombies. I don't know. It, it all sounds very basic, but you have to buy in. It's all about buying in. To another reality. Hmm. That sounds really interesting. I will want to check that out. Yeah, there, there's a, a the last one I want to talk about it is this room doesn't exist is about a company that has taken these kids and put them in a virtual reality that they don't know they're in, and them trying to escape it, and they're going into their second season right now, which is pretty exciting. And then, again, this is, this is PKD because he talks about all about personal realities and all that kind of stuff. And that's exactly what is happening right now is even though it's fiction, these people are creating personal realities. They're their own reality and inviting you to, to join in. Hmm. Oh, that sounds really interesting. Yeah, I will check that out. Um, yeah, so um, is there, like, uh, website where you can find a bunch of these compiled or anything, or uh, fan sites or anything like that? Yeah, it's, it's so broad. Uh, it's hard to... I follow a couple of uh, YouTubers. Mm -hmm. So I follow Nightmind, who talks about this stuff all the time, and Nexpo, who talks about this stuff. They're, they're uh, YouTube creators. Why don't you put creators. some um, links in the comments? Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're, they're, and there's a ton out there about video games. It's just it's a very broad thing, and I'll bring it back to talk about some of the other ones I, I really enjoy, but that's the starter pack. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, that sounds cool. So uh, this is uh, Anthony's worst segment of <laughs> Dickhead's podcast. Do you have a dick-like suggestion? You think you know me, David? Let me tell you something. <laughs> you guys fucking ready for this? I am. I don't have a recommendation. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> God. <laughs> Anthony, yeah. have you... Have you Followed any ARTs at all or no, anything? No, but like it, that? it's something that I, I I am interested in. It's just I just don't have the time. Um, I've been right. It does deep. it does take some. I've been ankle deep in trying to finish this book I wrote with David. I've been at work, the day job, and I just. I don't, but some of them, in all honesty, it's taken me a long time to get to certain movies or even finish books. I, dude, it took me two weeks to read Game Players of Titan. That shouldn't have taken that but long. Keep in mind that some of these are just watching like a. 10 four minute videos mm, you know okay. hey, not all of them are really in depth a lot of them give you a lot of the information and and you can figure it out from there but no 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 i'm staying on brand right. i don't have any recommendations <laughs> but we all know david does yes so. i do have a dick like suggestion this time and it is a show called counterpart which is a mm. tv show that you can find on amazon prime but it comes originally from the stars network which is uh, a random HBO wannabe HBO channel. Um, I think they were a subsidiary of HBO. Stars is just a part of the HBO network, David. Oh, yeah. is it? Okay, so anyways, this show is 
Uh, well, Stars also did the Ash versus Evil Dead, and they did a really good comedy with Patrick Stewart for two seasons called Blunt Talk. It was pretty funny. Yeah, they have some good shows they've, on that. Show. Yeah, they've had some good shows, but this show um, is called Counterpart, and it stars J.K. Simmons, the um, the actor who's most well known for he won an Academy Award for Whiplash. For he was Blunt. great in that movie. Yeah. And he's great in this show. So this show is very PKD. Uh, in fact, um, it, it's just, it's very PKD. The story is about a guy who works for a bureaucratic agency who has some kind of secret uh, lab in the basement of his building. And he eventually finds out that the, the lab, the secret from the laboratory is that they have a portal to another dimension that has been, that is a alternate version basically about 15 years in the past of the show this other universe branched off from theirs so everything was the same until 15 years earlier and his character is a kind of like high-powered secret agent on the other side his the other version of himself so it's about Hmm. the and so it does have shades of the man in the high castle in it a little bit um, but what it has is it has people traveling. There's uh, visas. It takes place in this um, alternate world of Berlin. And there's people that travel back and forth. And, and uh, in the first episode, an assassin escapes from one dimension to the other. And also fringe as well. Yes, it has a little bit of fringe, but it, it, it's mostly PKD. It's very PKD. I don't want to say too much more about it, right? But I will say that it's just started. It's it's in its second season. I'm about seven episodes through the first season. You can get it on Prime, and it's definitely worth watching. It's my favorite new show that I, besides Star Trek Discovery, that I'm watching right now. Um, pretty much every I, I'm doling them out one a week. I'm not binging them because I kind of want to savor it. You don't you don't like binging shows, do you? Well, I used to, because um, I used to have to binge them, because I, I used to get... Did you get them from the library? I get them from the library, but uh, now... Now that you're bougie as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, now I try to... I don't like to binge... All that dickhead's money you're earning. Right. <laughs> um, I, li- I, don't, I like to let stories build over time and like kind of sit with them between uh, airings. So I've been watching about one a week of counterparts and or counterpart counterpart, uh, but I highly recommend this show. I think it's great. Although I will say, a former dick-like suggestion that's kind of a similar concept is City in the City from uh, BBC, based on the China Mieville. Yeah, and uh, City in the City is a weirder version of the same kind of thing, and Counterpart is a little less. Uh, surreal and wackadoo. So if you'd rather see the kind of surreal version of this, I'd say watch City in the City. But um, I think overall I like Counterpart better. It's a little bit more grounded, but it does get weird and wacky. And the last episode I watched had a hell of a twist that I was really into. Cool. So so definitely recommend Counterpart on Prime. Stars. And stars. Yeah. Yeah. So... I think we're ready to talk about Game Players of Titan. Well, but first, you got to tell us what was happening in 1963. Well, <laughs> Anthony, let me tell you what happened in 1963. That was the oh, year... Funny I should have asked. That is the year JFK was assassinated. And uh, November 22nd, 
of that year. It was also the start of Beatlemania when the uh, Beatles first came to be on the uh, Ed Sullivan show and that whole thing. It was also the same year as the Martin Luther King I Have a Dream speech. Wow. It's an important year. Yes, it was a very important year. So uh, keep that in mind when you're thinking about what uh, world uh, PKD was unleashed or Ace Books was unleashing Game Players of Titan into. So let's talk about the writing and publication history of this book. Um, Well, when exactly in... In 63, was this published early? It was published, I believe, in April. Okay. So, yes, I believe so. And so, the with the writing of this book, I know I said in the last episode that I really felt like PKD was reacting to all the people saying that Man in the High Castle wasn't actually science fiction, that he wanted to go gonzo on the science fiction uh, that was not the case. Game Players of Titan was not <laughs> the next book he wrote after Man in the High Castle. Uh, the next one that he wrote, the next one he wrote was uh, Martian Time Slip, which we'll be uh-huh. doing next episode. And then he wrote, I believe, Dr. Blood Money before he uh, Martian Time Slip and Dr. Blood Money. He believed okay. Martian Time Slip was going to be another. Um, blending between mainstream and sci-fi in the same way that uh, Man in the High Castle was, which is kind of hard. Not at all. <laughs> yeah, especially since it took place on Mars. Wow, that book is, yeah. yeah. That's one of the ones I've read before, so that's... Right. I know that that is not true. So he, uh, and it's funny because he, when he wrote this book, he had some weird things going on. He was writing in the shack, right? Yeah. <laughs> which apparently was almost a mile walk from his home. So before he, you know, was like going to make the donuts for the Dunkin' Donuts guy, he was like, you know, going to the office to do that. But he has one of the few things we know about the writing of Game Players of Titan. There's very few quotes about the writing of it, unlike Man in the High Castle when there was like reams, reams of notes. But he claimed that in the sky, the Northern California sky, on his walk to the shack, that he saw what he described as a giant malevolent face. Malevolent? Malevolent. Okay. And he said, quote, it was immense. It filled like a quarter of the sky. It had empty slots for eyes. It was metal, cruel, and worst of all, it was God. Yeah, this was a huge event in his life, wasn't it? Yeah. And so even though this is kind of like not a very important book, you know, um, he was having this kind of mechanical vision of Satan right. when he was walking. And I don't know if this happened one time when he was walking to, to work a game players of Titan, or if he just saw mechanical Satan took a bunch of amphetamines and fucking wrote the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> because, um, that's really mostly what we know about it. It was well, we do know that he was high as fuck during the writing of this, right? Yeah, true. Yeah, I think there's no discounting the high of high as fuck status as of PKD when he wrote this. So this novel was written in May of 1963, and the manuscript re- uh, reached the Scott Meredith Agency on June 4th, 1963, give or take, exactly that day. The story. Wait, I thought you said it was published in April of. 
Oh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. It, it came out in uh, December 12th, 1963. Oh, okay. So, sorry. Okay. Sorry, I had that now so late. in front of me. <laughs> it came... came out late in the year. Okay. okay. Uh, JFK was already brains all over Indeed. Dallas, yeah. So it preceded the paperback of Man in the High Castle, which didn't appear until January, until the month after in 1964. So it was good. It was a good time for Wolheim, and the thing, the, the interesting thing is that Wolheim had had already turned down Martian Time Slip, which is really interesting. Really, yeah, because I, a lot of people consider Martian Time Slip one of his better books. Yeah, but Wolheim um, had very a specific problem with it, and I do. Have a quote about that. He said, "The far-out elements which I, which I added to the unteleported man, which were not in the original, i.e., all of which Don objects to, were necessary because if the piece became a true novel, not merely a longer story, and there's real irony here too, because a much better case could be made against my additions than the one Don chose to make. Fundamentally, the additions follow the lines laid down in my Ace novel, Game Players of Titan." which Don nominated for the Hugo. So after huh. Don blasted Man in the High Castle, right. he stumped for the Game Players of Titan what? to be nominated for the Hugo. And he turned down... So it's safe to say that Don was high as fuck during this period. <laughs> well, it sounds like it. <laughs> and Don Wilhelm turned down Martian Time Slip, allegedly, <clears throat> because he didn't... It was set in the 90s, 1994 or something like yeah. that. And he thought that was too soon for a Mars colony. So we'll give Don Wilhelm some points for that. Right. He was right about that. But PKD, he wanted PKD to move Martian time slip 100 years in the future. Yeah. And PKD said, uh, no, thank you. I don't want to do that. And that's why he didn't go with Ace Interesting. On, on Martian time slip. But it's also why the game Players of Titan came next. So after he got turned down, uh, apparently he didn't submit Doctor Blood Money. He, I don't, I think he didn't believe Wilhelm was going to take Doctor Blood Money. So he went straight to writing Game Players of Titan, and that is the one that he sent to him. But I, my feeling is, is that Wilhelm was anxious to get another PKD book out before the paperback of Man in the High Castle and to build on the success of the Hugo. to capitalize on that. Yeah, yeah, that's what this book seems like. Yeah, a book that was rushed out just to make sure it would sell based on something else's popularity. And if you look at the original cover for Ace, it says something like the the most important science fiction novel of the year or something like that. Yeah. Um, and, and I definitely think they were trying to go for, you know, this is going to be the next big PKD book after Man in the High Castle, which... Wow. Yeah. Which we all know. I mean... Whether you like it or not, whether you think it's okay or not, it ain't. It's not in that territory. No. It's not in the Time Out of Joint territory or any of the books that were kind of sniffing the mainstream uh, of science fiction and even like at that time. So. It's still better than the Cosmic Puppets. Yeah, dude. I I don't know. <laughs> the, the, that it is. the label on Larry's beer bottle is better than the Cosmic Puppets. <laughs> but, yeah. I like this more than I like Man in the High Castle. Yeah. Uh, Shots fired. Oh wow! See, that oh, is shots yeah. fired. Shots fired. Hot takes. Hot, Hot takes. takes. That's my that's my job on the podcast. All Podcast right. contrarian. 
Yeah, so uh, this is the least we know about the writing of the book, but but I do think the writing of the book has this really, I mean, you just really, when you're reading this, or for those of you who haven't read it yet or are not going to read it, but uh, I just think it's funny to imagine him showing up to the shack with this giant robotic Satan staring at him on right. the way there. It's kind of like, that... Once I read that quote, every time I like look back through the book, I was just kind of imagining like you know what that feeling would be, would be like because it really does kind of change the way I look at the book. But anyways, yeah, so that's the writing of Game Players of Titan. We don't know much, um, but it was written in the shack. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, that's about it. Uh, he was seeing Mechanical Satan on the way there. Uh, Wolheim thought it was way better than it was. Uh, yeah. But you know, I I think that this book is so all over the place. Yeah, I think okay. it's definitely needed a second draft, but we I don't think it's as all over the place as the world Jones made though. I think it's exactly the same. Mm-mm. When I was reading it, I, I was comparing I, I had comparisons in my head to mm-hmm. Jones made and to uh, uh, the man who japed. Mm-hmm. Like it still had that sort of disjointed feel to it. I think there's that early feel. Here. Yeah, they're definitely there's a bait and switch in that, but we'll get into that after the story breakdown. All right, story breakdown behind the scenes. All right, let me let me sit back. This is my favorite part of this podcast that I have. All right, Langhorn, hit us with a story breakdown. All right, so the Sirens of Titan. Like, <laughs> no, no, wait. So, player. Uh, so this is a uh, this is a book. It is a book, and a good start. Yep. So we start with the drunk guy. Who's like, ah, fuck it, I'm drunk, let me drive. And then the car's like, you can't drive. And so then he's like, oh, what happened? I lost my wife and I lost Berkeley? How'd that happen? And uh, he basically lost his wife and Berkeley in a board game. You may have a gambling problem. Yeah, you may have a problem if you lost your wife and a piece of land that big. So... He goes home, and then he's like, oh, that sucks. I should try to get it back. We find out that this guy, Luckman, has but has somehow managed to finagle Berkeley from the people that actually won it. And then, so, uh, our guy, our guy's name is, um, what's, our, what's our main character's Pete name? Pete Garden? Yes, Pete Garden. There are a lot of weird names in this one. I'm not going to get any of them right. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's uh, he didn't name fertilizer garden, <laughs> but close. So Pete is like, all right, I got to come up with a plan because I got to win Berkeley back. Berkeley is really important to me, but I'm not going to tell anyone that's reading this book why. <laughs> we just we're just supposed to be like, oh, I guess Berkeley is really important, other than uh, way more important than Marin County, which is actually you know far more wealthy and. And in many ways, more beautiful. You can fight me on that if you want to. But so 
he's like, oh, I'm going to go see my old friend who lost his shirt to Luckman a long time ago. This guy, um, uh, character. <laughs> character. Character number four. There are a lot of characters in here, and I didn't bother to remember their names either, Larry. Yeah, I need to, I need to bring this up. And this takes place in May of 2143. Okay, but let's, uh, let's go back a little bit. Apparently, a long time ago, we got into a war with what are called the Vugs, who are from Titan. They're t- the Titanian Vugs, and we lost... And yeah. so they make us play games for property, and well, they took away, uh, well, somehow we got our, our ability to give birth taken away, but in exchange, yeah, but we live China's forever. Fault. That was but China's it, fault, because they, they, they tried to nuke the bugs off our planet. I, I think they consistently okay. refer to them as the goddamn red Chinese. <laughs> goddamn red Chinese. The red Chinese. So, that so, should have been the alternate title. People live for a very long time, but they just can't have kids as well. Now, this is all supposed to be blamed on the red, goddamn red Chinese, and uh, so that's that's what we're working with here. But the we're we've entered some kind of deal with the Vugs where they get to hang out. We still have some autonomy, and everything is groovy, sort of. But what we do. For them, that they really enjoy is we play real life Monopoly with wives and property. So it's a know, real man's world. Yeah, it's a, this is a real man's world. If you're trading wives for property, wives and property. Well, it's a goddamn <laughs> American dream in this book. Now they trade Look, spouses both ways, though. It's it's an attempt to find to be able to reproduce. I. I'm well, upset that there was no party bowl with keys in it in this book. Right, uh, but there basically is. These are basically key parties, just as much as they are property parties. Real quick, does anybody actually understand the game they play before they start playing the bugs? You mean no. bluff? The is game? that it? No. It's called bluff. Okay. We'll talk about that in, after All right. the breakdown. We'll talk about it in detail, I suppose. Oh, good God. All right. Uh, <laughs> All right, so anyway, our guy is like, all right, I got to win back this thing. I'm going to go talk to dude in uh, New Mexico. He lost his shirt to Luckman, but he probably has some good advice. And then guy in, te- in New Mexico is like, I love my record shop, but I'll help you beat this guy. And then he's like, oh, cool. I'll meet you back in uh, in my hometown in Marin, San Rafael, where I'm staying. And then he's like, all right, cool. I'll be there. So then guy goes back and before dude shows up, he has to go and play the game. And they're like, this is your new wife, Carol. And uh, he's like, hey, new wife, Carol, I don't really like you. And I got this other dude that's going to play with me. So why don't you just kick back and uh, and not bother me? And she's like, you motherfucker, what the fuck? I come all this way and you treat me like this. I fucking hate you. And then and then they're like, ah, yeah, big fight. And then they go home and they fuck. And then he wakes up the next morning, and he's like, uh, oh, I, I met this girl that I really want to ha- have sex with. I'm going to go hang out with her. And uh, b- before he can do that, he's like, oh, I got to go do some stuff. And she's like, oh, the, the new girl is a redhead. And she's like, oh, I'll have lunch with you. And you met my daughter a little earlier at the record shop with your, your dude in New Mexico. And uh, she's super hot and 18. And I'm super hot, but like 40-ish. 
And so then everything changes when uh, Garden, Garden wakes up outside of Salt Lake City and can't remember what happened that day. And he's like, oh, shit. What do I do now? So he asks his car what's going on. And I have to say, I love the cars. The cars are the, probably my oh, favorite characters. Cars? Yeah, sassy yeah, cars, sassy are the cars were a selling point yes. for me. <laughs> but I'm a sucker for sassy robots. So he's like, car, what the fuck happened all day? And the car tells him sort of what happened from a car perspective. And he goes back. And well, everything has an AI in this book. Like the yeah. ru- the Rushmores are like in the coffee. Rushmore effects. Yeah, they're in like the coffee machines and everything. Yeah, and elevators. That damn elevator. That elevator fucked up. <laughs> so, so he goes back and he's like, "Oh, I'm talking to his friend." And he's like, "Oh man, I don't know what the fuck happened." And then uh, his wife Carol comes home and she's like, "Dude, there's a dead guy in the back seat of my car, and it's that Luckman guy that you wanted to kill." And he's like, what? That guy's dead? Did I do it? And then the cops come, and the cops are um, psychic cops, which is kind of cool. You have one that's a Vug, who are basically some kind of protozoa. They look like um, a cell, like a human, you know, blood cell or something. Like maybe a white cell. But I could have been wrong. Well, they were well, able maybe. to to, I mean, to disguise themselves as humans for the most part. Well, inside, I don't know. That's not explained at all. There's some fucking wacky ass shit there. All right, so then he goes uh, and they meets with his group that are called the Red Elf Fuckers or something. <laughs> I don't and, <laughs> and so like they're pretty, called Pretty the, Blue the, Fox. The Pretty Blue Foxes for some dumb. reason. It's like they they use the Wu Tang Clan's uh, rap name generator to come up with their name, and uh, so so he goes to the group, and, and the group is basically all arrested for the crime, and they're being questioned, and the cops are psychic, so they're like, "We're going to psychically read all of you," and they're like, "You probably did it because you can't remember what happened," and then the cops are like, "Oh, wait, six of you can't remember what happened, so something fucked up happened here." So, and then he gets arrested anyway. Did you guys drink when you found the word precog? Was that like something that you're... <laughs> this is the first use of precog in a couple books. It is. It is. Yeah. He also used autofac. Yeah. Well, except that his car is called an auto-auto. 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 But he does... Uh, it, both are in this book. Autofacts and precogs are in this. All right. So, but we haven't met a precog yet. Or have no? Yeah, we did. We briefly met uh, Munchin or whatever his name is. Mm-hmm. One of his when wives, he was talking to Luckman. Yeah, one of his wives is a precog too. There's a lot of precogs in this book. No, one of his wives. Oh wait, she wasn't a precog. She was telepathic. Like Pete's one of one of his wives was. No, telepathic. the woman he's trying to sleep with is. Oh yeah, well I thought they were married. Whatever. Anyways. <laughs> Alright, anyway. So on point tonight. <laughs> anyway, so. He gets arrested, and then he gets uh, out on bail, and he has to figure out what's going on so that he doesn't get arrested for the the murder. And then, God, I fucking, fucking shit, what happens? Then something, some other shit happens. God, this, uh, this one was supposed to be so easy. Um, does anybody remember what happens next? <laughs> they, uh, uh, well, the one guy was murdered. Right, and 
did you already do the murder? Yeah. The guy? Okay, so the guy was murdered, and they all... So he the, gets arrested. And nobody has any memory of it happening. Yeah, we're way past that, David. Okay. Where have you been? Right, so, so he gets out on bail. They uh, talk to the psychic girl that he's... The psychic woman that he's trying to sleep with, and then he's... They find out that she's got secrets. And then he goes home, and his wife, uh, uh, Carol, is like, I'm leaving you. And she, and he's like, well, why don't we see if you're pregnant? You know, we did it that once. And we got the rabbit paper, this new rabbit paper that's almost instantaneous. And I do like the rabbit paper because, uh, of you know, if you inject the, the woman's blood into the rabbit and the rabbit lives... She's pregnant, and yeah, if the rabbit weird. dies, this is totally not science, but this is how they used to see if a woman is pregnant in, you know, I, I guess in some places. So they, they do have places. They do have this. They they do have rabbit paper based on that on that thing, and so they find out she's pregnant, and immediately he becomes my favorite character when he says. This is the greatest thing that has ever happened to me. I have to go get fucked up immediately. It's tradition. <laughs> so he goes, he gets a bunch of pills and a bunch of booze, and he's like, I'll see you sometime. And he leaves his his wife, his pregnant wife, at their house, and he's like, I don't know when I'll be back. I don't even give a shit. I'm just going to get fucked up. And so... Like a bunch of you know, a bunch of uh, stuff happens with the other people. We really don't care about that or them. <laughs> and uh, like uh, then, then we get back to him, and he's talking to a psychiatrist in fucking Idaho. And he's like, oh, he comes to, and he's like, "Who the fuck are you? Where am I?" And he's all of a sudden upset that he went on a fucking bender. And so he he finds out. He has this weird vision of the uh, of the psychiatrist as one of the vugs, and then he goes back to his car, and there's that hot eighteen year old daughter of the psychic girl that he was trying to bang, psychic woman he was trying to bang. This is, and this then, is called PKD's barely legal. Yeah, he's and he and she's like, "Hey, how's it going? You picked me up, and you were like, come and hang out, hang out with me. I'm celebrating.'" And he's like, "Oh, that's cool." And then she turns into a vug, and he's like, "Are you a vug?" And she says no, and the car says she's not. And so he's like, all right, that's cool. But it's all so weird. And so he goes back home, and then he, he calls his friend, and he's like, I want to call the cops and say weird shit's happening. And uh, I think I might have killed dude, you know, but I just don't remember it. Luckman. And so he his friend's like, all right, don't call the cops, or do call the cops, whatever. So he calls the cops. And uh, he talks to Cunningham, I think, or whatever his name is, the one of the, the human cop. And he's like, the human cop says, hey, we figured out who did it. You're off the hook. Go about your business. And he's like, oh, I guess I didn't kill him. So then he gets off the phone and is immediately kidnapped by the woman he was trying to sleep with, whatever her name is. Will someone please tell me her name? What? Are you talking about Patricia McLean? Patricia yes. McLean. Pat McLean. Pat McLean. Yeah. Pat McLean and her husband. Pat McLean. Who is, who is a precog. Her okay. husband is a precog. She's a, a mind reader, and he's a precog. And they kidnap him, 
And when they're in the elevator, they go towards the elevator. Elevator door opens. The cop is standing there looking surprised. And dude shoots him in the face with a needle gun. Heat which needle. Is a heat needle, which is a laser gun. And fries the guy's brain. And uh, they, they're like, oh, we had to kill that cop. Bummer. So then they go to Nevada. Right now. Then they go to Nevada. And there's a bunch of these precog people that are like, all right, we've got this plan to take over Earth and do some other things. It's really vague as to what we're going to do, but uh, you you don't need to know about it. But this one guy in our group is somehow reading very different than everybody else. Oh, and by the way, that teenage hottie is here too, our daughter. And uh, then we find out that you know when our hero has another vision, they're all thugs except for that one guy, whatever his name is, Mumford or something? I'll call him Mumford. Mutro. 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 It doesn't matter. M-U-T-R-E-A-U-X. Yeah, Mutro. So Mutro is still human, while the rest of them have been taken over by Vugs, and they aren't even human. They are from the alien, from Titan. And then the girl who is a a psychokinetic, she has psychokinesis, telekinesis. Yeah, they got to try and fool And And she's like, oh, fuck this shit. And uh, she basically uh, takes all these people and... Yeah, she carries out pretty hard. Yeah, she carries out way more than Carrie ever did. Right. Because she basically... Ties their bodies into knots and breaks all their bones, and their meat is everywhere. It's a pretty cool Cronenbergian image. It is a, for PKG. It is really the, good. Yeah, he tears she the takes, bones straight apart. She takes her yeah. mom and she throws her up into the sky and bats her around and stuff. And uh, so Muntro, who is still Mutro, who is still human, Mutro. and her just call him Mumford and Sons. Mumford and Sons. <laughs> and the, the doctor has shown up, and the doctor's like. All right, I'm also a bug. All right, that's cool. You got me. And uh, Phyllison or something. Yeah, and he's like, my power is I can send people to Titan. And so he's like, you let me go to Titan. You can do whatever you're going to do, and everything will be cool. So he goes to, so Dr. So-and-so goes to Titan. The other three are like, all right, we need a plan to win the game that we can't win from from, from the Vugs, because they're all telepathic, yeah. and we're not telepathic. We don't let telepaths into our game, because it would be unfair. And so, then they come up with this plan, where Mutro's gonna be on, he's gonna be high as fuck, but play the game. Because when he's high, he won't know if he's psychic or not. That's the <laughs> whole That's the whole gambit. Uh, and so, they play the game, they win, weird shit happens, they are the uh, the bugs are all pissed off, but realize that they lost their the game and and then uh, the bugs are super fucking petty about it. Though. They are, they are super petty about it, and uh, even the even the good bug, the quote unquote good bug, which is the cop, is pissed about it. Do you think the bugs talk like this, or like some kind of like crazy? <laughs> Do I think the bugs well, talk like the bees in cosmic? They, they, is that what you're asking me? They are psychic, so they speak psychically. Yeah, so they're like. So yes, she does, she does fuck up Nat's cats in a pretty cool way, though. Right. Right. Yeah, Nat's cats gets a who is a, a piece uh, of glass to the heart. 
Yeah. Well, he gets the whole glass. Oh. Guy's drinking a beer, and uh, the the hot daughter basically just PK teleports teleports the 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 glass into his chest. Yeah, it's gnarly. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, damn. I'm sorry that this was so confusing, but. <laughs> All right, let's so let's talk about some of the elements of the story. Is that it for the story breakdown? Yeah. No, 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 no. Because the bugs get super petty about their loss, so they distort reality and they blow everyone out to different parts of the of of. of, of but that really doesn't have any effect on the story. No, but it is the end. It's it's it's. I mean, the end. They lose Titan. Okay, so here's what happens in the end. You put Titan on the board. <laughs> so, yeah, like, in the end, uh, the doctor comes back and finds uh, Garden's ex-wife hanging out in the desert of Nevada. And he's like, hey, do you want to do some evil shit? And she's like, fuck yeah, I do. And then they, they go to Titan to plan their next move. <laughs> All right. That's... And then it just kind of ends. Yeah. That is the game, Players of Titan. Uh, so fucking convoluted. It's Monopoly. <laughs> it's Monopoly. <laughs> so with psychic aliens. Let's talk about the game first, Bluff. Okay, so the idea here is being that I think what he was trying to make a point about is that so you have this post-nuclear Earth that's been destroyed by war twice. There's very few, there's very little population left. So the resources are really, really, really important. So I think he was trying to come up with this analogy that in this... Is it, when does he say anything about resources? Well, I mean, the, the land the land as resources. Oh, land as resources. Right. Is like the cities, because the cities are so empty of people that instead of like having elections or whatever, that people just play the game. To have control, and there are are game players, and there are non game players, and they're called uh, bind bindmen. Yeah, the bindmen and the non bees. Yeah, are the ones who can play the game. So I think here's what I have a feeling on is that when he started this book, I think he was really excited about the idea of the game, and by the end of the book, he kind of forgot about it. <laughs> to right. To. As far as the importance that it was to the plot. But, um, you know, we got some... I have some uh, some moments about the game. So well, the game, We should describe what the game is. I mean, the game is fairly simple. It, it's called Bluff because you draw a card that has a number on it. There's a playing board where your piece moves along and every spot is like the game of life where something monetary happens, either something good monetary or something bad monetarily happens. And so you can go to any square you want to, and you claim that that's what your card says. But if your card doesn't match where you move to... Holy shit, this is boring. Then then you, <laughs> you lose that thing. Yeah, it's really boring, isn't it? Well, see, he probably... I imagine he was like playing Monopoly with somebody and then was just like... Or the Game of Life. Yeah, and was like, what if this was real and there were slugs from Titan running it and we actually... And they didn't pass go! Yeah. And you had to give me money when I land on this part of the board. Fuck you, aliens. You owe me a hotel. <laughs> I mean... They <laughs> use Monopoly. I still say it's more like the Game of Life. But okay. Uh, I get the property aspect. 
So right uh, on page 15 of that, we all read the Mariner edition with the marbles on the cover. Um, so No marbles in this book, by the way. <laughs> no, I still say that's supposed to represent what the Vugs look like. Because I still see Maybe. them... I still see them as round, cellular, floaty okay. things. All right, so so I like this sentence where he said, he awoke, today was the first time in his life that he owned Berkeley, California. I thought that was a cool way to introduce that aspect of the how the game is, has actual territory. And here he brings up, after all, New York City was well-populated, almost 15,000 souls, and many were children, hence new. So... He he does bring up the whole popu- the, the lack of population and, and yeah, which I totally didn't talk about in the breakdown. The fact that the uh, the bugs are actually controlling our population. It wasn't so much the goddamn red Chinese right. as it was them. They would have you believe limiting, that it was yeah that it was the bugs limiting our our children because they want they want us to die out so that they can be the next big thing in our solar system. Right. It, it, so, okay. So I got, and I got another thing about on page 19 where they're talking about kind of the populations and stuff like that. He says, ghosts he thought of, of our way of life, the way it was when our population was splitting the seams of the planet, spilling over onto Luna and even Mars populations on the verge of migration. And those stupid jackasses, those red Chinese, had to use that East German invention of that ex-Nazi that he could not even think the words that describe the Bernhard Hinkel. Too bad Hinkel isn't still alive. So it's, it's this weird, like, when he gets into the Red Chinese thing, it's just this long-going thing about this This is where he says Well, that. and then he sort of, I don't know, a lot of that is like he abandons the thread, right? Right. Like, so there's a lot of stuff about overpopulation and, and different political ideas that are, are key early in the book, but they just kind of disappear once he... And to me, this, just because of who I am and what I like when I read sci-fi, like a lot of this world-building stuff that's that's front-loaded is stuff I really liked, but that stuff kind of just goes out the window later in the book. And, um, you know... It, you know this was uh, written by a seat of his pants, huh? Yeah, absolutely. And... <laughs> My biggest complaint with the game Players of Titan is that it definitely needed another draft. It needed an editor to look at it and say, whoa, 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 what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Where's the fucking structure? (laughs) Yeah, kind of whipping it into shape. But Don Wolheim was just like, this is going to win the Hugo. Yeah, yeah, slow down there, buddy. Yeah. Sit down. So you have a It's going to win the Hugo. (laughs) You're right. Um, why wouldn't it, Larry? They play Space Monopoly. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And, and so you don't really get a ton of details about, like, how... The Anything. Game, well, or how the game works until, like, on page 185 is the next time you really get, yeah. like, details when they're trying to figure out how to beat... All we know is you have to bluff. Basically, you have to know how to bluff. That's... And that that is the name of the game, technically, is mm-hmm. bluff. So... All right, so I don't really and have your any... stake in the game is your land and your wife. Right. You have to put a piece of land and your wife. Right. Who also plays alongside you. Well, but but it's all only men that are the bind men. But I but I thought that the the women end up with fair. I think the monogamy goes all over the place. I don't think it's just men trading wives in the game. I think that 
that the the women end up with multiple husbands all over the place too. Because they're treated around, David. Okay. They're treated around. Right, but I they're I, trying I, different combinations to see who, who can have children. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's yeah. explained. Yeah, it's still it's still gnarly. It's yeah. still not not. You know, very progressive compared to even some of the books he's already. Written. They're all they're all serial monogamous, right? And so it's definitely like he's in the jar type, like like it's it's definitely a comment on swinger stuff to a degree. Uh, how how um, well he's was that was that a big part of was that a part of the culture back then? Oh in this? man, I don't. I mean, they do call it. Was it the swing in sixties or the swing in seventies? Yeah, it was the swing in seventies. But yeah. Oh, but I want to believe that there was Philip a, K. A Dick bunch. Swinger key party. I, I wouldn't doubt it. Dick. I mean, oh, I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. KPD. Yeah. Oh, this is my new favorite idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's just I'm gonna David. Let's just write a soft erotica about PKD. Fuck that! Why soft? Why are you looking at me? Yeah, hard erotica about PKD joining a swingers club. Yeah, and the wacky antics that ensue. Alternate realities, alternate bodies. <laughs> God. All right. Uh, I'm not saying I I wouldn't read it, but I don't know that I would write it. So. Um, all right. So the next thing you just I have to outline it. I'll write all the syrupy, goopy sex stuff. <laughs> the seven butt creatures of Venus. <laughs> Dude, I think you could sell that as a Bizarro book. The Seven Butt Creatures. <laughs> yeah, I think. I think. Nah. Nah, okay. So, <laughs> on to the bugs. The next element that I want to talk about is the bugs. Now, I thought it was interesting, and I noted that they all have initials for names. Yeah. Which I, I have no idea why he did that. E.B. Black. Yeah. They all. Yeah, they have like. What was some of the other ones? I just, I, mean, um, I remember EE, but... Um, USS West... USS Cummings or whatever. USS Cummings, yeah. yeah. USS Cummings. <laughs> like the naval vessel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I'm trying to see, I think I had some things about... Um, despite efforts by the Titans to kill the old Rift wartime dislike, they were silicon-based life form. Yeah. Ra- rather than carbon-based. Their cycle was slow, and involved methane rather than oxygen as a metabolic catalyst. They were bisexual, which was rather non-bee system indeed. Now, one thing that's interesting is I think at the time we believed that Titan had a methane atmosphere, and I believe it still, I mean, I believe it really does have a methane atmosphere. So that is actually almost hard sci-fi. Right. (laughs) I mean, PKD doesn't do hard sci-fi, but... It well, is. he he does know his planets. I think. Just wait yeah. till Christopher Nolan's the game players of Titan. Yeah, right. Four hours long. <laughs> Actually, that that's weird. Okay, do we have Michael Caine? Michael Caine as Pete Gordon. <laughs> I heard an awesome Michael Caine quote where somebody said, asked him about Jaws four, uh-huh. and he said, "I haven't seen it, but I've seen the house I built with the buddy." <laughs> I would cast Michael Caine in any movie just to hear him say, what are we going to do about the bugs? What are we going to do? About the bugs. (laughs) About the bugs. Oh, my new favorite thing. Welcome back to the Michael Caine impersonation podcast. All right, so the bugs have a semblance of human form. They, at least in my opinion, I don't know. Larry said that he didn't really see that. Did you see that? 
um, Anthony. Like, I thought the bugs had... They obviously were interacting with them, but I saw them as having kind of a human form. I just they, saw them as slugs. Well, and but, it might be because they're called bugs. bugs. And my brain just associated that. But when the, when the lady goes all carry at the end and starts, like, tearing them up, like, I, I took that as that they're human... Like, <laughs> yeah, their human shells were being ripped apart and we were seeing, like, the slug part of them. So, uh... Yeah, and so that was on page 201. Well, yeah. except for that, at that point, we don't know that there are bugs underneath. Right. We don't see that until the until the end when, when the uh, the bug, the game players of Titan shed their human yeah, and we'll carapaces. Get, we'll get that to that in a second, but he does make mention of their civilization. He said, uh, Titan civilization is sharply divided into two factions. The reason I know this is simple. I have in the clinic here, this is when he's talking to the psychiatrist. Um, I have in the clinic here several titan, Titanians who hold high posts here on Earth. They're undergoing psychiatric treatment with me. It's somewhat unorthodox, but I, but I discover that I can work with them well enough. And yeah, but remember, he's also full of shit. Right. Because he is a bug. Because he is a bug. Which I think is a, a great moment when the car is like, when, when the doctor's like, no, of course I'm not a Vug. What are you talking about? And, and the one guy's like, hey, Carr, this guy a Vug? And Carr uh, goes, yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely he is. Right. So, but he mentions that there's factions in the Titan politics. I mean, he could be lying to him, but you get the idea that there's moderates and hardliners within, like, the Vugs. And I imagine the hardliners um, are still pissed about the goddamn red Chinese, like, nuking uh, Every time. Every time. And so, uh, for whatever reason, so then we get the reveal on page 201 of the Mariner edition. And this was actually one of my favorite parts. Out of the rent, squeeze the protoplasmic organism within. The bug, in authentic shape, no longer requiring the artificial hull, was emerging, forcing its way out into the gray-yellow light of the weakened sun. Oh, this is just when I show up on Titan. They yeah. just kind of like, yeah. They squeeze their way out they of squeeze the... Squeeze their way out of their life. Woo, the, the we're human back therapist. on Titan. Yeah. Sun's out, bugs out. <laughs> <laughs> out of each discarded human husk, a bug emerged, and the tusks and the husks teetered one by one as if blown by an impalpable wind, writhed, writhed and danced away, weightless, already without color. Bits and flakes of discarded husk blew away in... in the air particles drifted across the game board, and Pete Garden, horrified, hurriedly brushed them away. That is some of the best writing in the book, in my opinion. That's like that's actually yeah. He has you know that end section has a lot of good writing in it. Yeah, because and that's the thing is that I, in I'm fact, gonna, a lot of the book has good writing. Yeah, it's just you know? the story is a little bit of a mess. Yeah, yeah, and so we've seen that with proper editing that he can write really good stuff. It's just, I think that this book was obviously rushed, you know, yeah. and, and moments like that are really cool. I thought the moment when they show up on Titan, when they, when they, they, you know, psychically beam to Titan is one of my favorite moments of the book. For me, it just, it really got my imagination going. And I just, I super loved it. I liked when he first went to Titan. Cause that yeah. was so confusing. It was so bizarre that he, He's inside, supposedly inside a bar, 
And then, but it's actually a doctor's office on Titan. And right. he, there's no grab, the low gravity, and he sneaks out the window and all that. Yep. Yeah. I mean, all really good stuff. And, and some of the things that, that I really did enjoy about this book. And so, okay, so that's all I got left on bugs. I mean, is there anything else you want to comment on bug society, bug biology, any of that stuff? I thought they were pretty interesting characters. Well, David, I didn't get my PhD in bugology. Well, you have a PhD. No, I, <laughs> please. Uh, I'm just saying. I, th- I think the bugs were were interesting enough. They 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 were and and after Man in the High Castle being kind of hoity toity, like you know literature, literature. <laughs> exactly. It's not when. You wanted to get back. Anthony wanted to get back to pulpy PKD. I did. I did. I and, did, and, and and I got kind of that. I could have done without all the stuff at the beginning. It's very boring. <laughs> like uh, I, yeah, I I agree that it could it should have been condensed. Yeah, like a lot of that stuff on the record store and for the, me the book starts when they kidnap Pete and blast that detective in the face. See, I disagree. Well, again, I didn't get the book I wanted. But the uh, I wanted the Agatha Christie story that was started when we found out, you know, his memory was wiped, and that six or five other people in the group had their memories wiped, and we had psychic detectives, and yeah, I was really expecting a um, an Agatha Christie story at that point. You know, everyone in the parlor. Yeah, and I thought to myself that you know, and this isn't who I chose for 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 doing a film of this, but you know, Ryan Johnson's doing an Agatha Christie style, like murder mystery right now. Oh really? Yeah. Called knives out. I think is what it's called. Um, hmm. it's knives something. Anyways, that's what Ryan Johnson just finished filming. And Excellent. I, and I think doing, I mean, Agatha, I, I still think brick is his best movies. Well, yeah, that's, it's good. But, um, I'm really more of a looper guy, but brick is fucking great. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that uh, I really appreciate about this book was that murder mystery aspect, and I think you're right. We didn't, you didn't eventually. Well, it, it was abandoned. Yeah. Like we, do we even know who killed Luckman? Uh, <laughs> no, no, it's <laughs> never resolved. If that's never resolved, the entire first act of this book, where we are kind of, oh, he's got the deed and he's going to go and play, and they don't want him on, they don't want him there. They're like, fuck this guy, and he's yeah, like, right? look at me, I'm a smarmy businessman. <laughs> I was going to use a precog to beat everybody, but then I was like, ah, forget it, I'll do it myself. Right? We just dropped that whole thing. Yeah, because, the whole thing the disappears. Story, so let me let me backtrack a little bit on what I said a few minutes ago. The story actually starts with him them finding his body yeah. in the car. Yeah, right. right. So yeah. really, honestly, I would have opened the novel with that. Maybe a chapter before that. Well, that's a, that's what I'm saying, Anthony, is that the uh, when he wakes up at, outside of Salt Lake City with little, you know, almost an empty tank and has no memory of the day, that would be a great beginning. Mm-hmm. And then we find out that Luckman's dead and all that stuff. So when we talk about how to adapt this later, I think we should come back to that whole aspect. Yeah, that's a good I, idea. Because I honestly think that that's... That's the way you do the movie is you focus yeah. on the Agatha Christie part. You still have the board game. You still have those kinds of things is like the backdrop and the bugs and all that. But you focus on the game. Oh, there's no goddamn board game in my movie. <laughs> oh, could you imagine how boring that would be watching a bunch of people play some fucking aliens in a board game? Right. Well, no, I mean, you could have like, it's just like, um, 
I mean, it works in Jumanji and Zathura, but no, I'm thinking more of like a Casino Royale, like a like a James Bond kind of gambling movie type. Ah, thing. like that's that kind of scenario. Yeah, that's more what I'm thinking. So the next aspect of the book that I thought was something that I thought we should talk about is the the life extension mm-hmm. aspect to it. So we have I like um, okay, what exactly are the rules on 150 year olds sleeping with 18 year olds? Talk about an age gap. Yeah. Big 80 is barely legal. <laughs> yeah, it is a problem. But um, so I like on uh, page 89, it says. I, uh, I, I just want to state right now, I do not have a problem with that. So, well, okay. Well, that's your hot take. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think somebody at 150 years old might have a little bit of a different life experience. Right. <laughs> so. It says here on page 89 of the Mariner edition, even Joe Schilling I've known for 85 years. And then Pete says, you're a Jerry. (laughs) Pete said, surprise. (laughs) With such energy, Pete had assumed Sharp to be no more than 40 or 50. Yes, I'm a geriatric, like yourself. 115 years old. He sat broodingly twisting a match folder into a ball. Shilling could have done it. He hated Luckman. Okay, he's getting into the mystery stuff. Yeah. But anyways, so the life extension thing is, I like the idea of them calling them Jerry's. Yeah. And geriatrics, which is kind of interesting. But does it have value in the story? Um, the I life think, expectancy part? No, it's more of a world building thing that has to do with like how long that they spend. You know, basically, I think there's the idea that they have such few population that if they didn't do the life extension thing and they didn't keep trying to reproduce for for decades and decades, that the human race would die out. So, so do you think he, he did it for practical reasons? Well, I think, oh, you mean PKD yeah. in the story? Yeah, yeah, I think it was just world building stuff. Hmm. Um, I mean, I enjoy it still, like, as a part of it, but... Um, yeah, I don't have a strong opinion either way. It's just... yeah. And the next thing I had in my notes, we already talked about, which is the uh, pretty blue fox, Um, (laughs) which (laughs) it's, uh, yeah, that's kind of a stupid, oh, yeah, so that is a pretty silly part of the, uh, of the story is the names, and I have seen many people suggest on, when I was doing research about this, that many people think that he came up with the names using the, the I Ching. Right. Which would be kind of interesting, but I don't know what it really adds to the... To I don't think it adds anything. It doesn't add anything. It's, well, it, and that's names, kind of the problem is it's just the confusing. Don't mean anything. Yeah. Yeah. But... Uh, it's confusing because they're so out there. Yeah. So we already also mentioned the precog thing. This is the first time in a while we've heard the... And, and precog is a term that I don't know that I've seen in work outside of PKD, but in multiple universes and stories that are not interconnected, he has precog be a term that he just assumes people will use right. in these features, which is kind of interesting. One of my favorite moments with the precogs is this line, I can preview a spread of possible this evenings. <laughs> uh, some of them... Some of them with me out in Carmel, California, sitting at the game with the Pretty Blue Fox folks, some with you. And in a, in a couple of these possible this evenings, 
folks are sending out for an EEG machine, whatever the fuck that is. So I don't know what an EEG machine is, but um, it's a it's the thing that reads your your brain patterns, right? So yeah, that's I I just that's an, <laughs> that's an actual machine, <laughs> right? So I just thought the precog thing was interesting, just because we hadn't heard that in a while, and you know I don't know if that's something like a, a PKD drinking game people could do where, you know, you take a drink every time you see him use the word precog. Right. But definitely, you know. I don't know what kind of parties you go to, David, but. People don't do that. I'm a straight edge. <laughs> what do I know? I don't know what people do for drinking games. <laughs> well, you're all sitting in a circle reading PKD stories. Okay. Everybody take a shot. Every time you see the word precog or auto auto or any time PKD starts talking about some barely legal. <laughs> Anytime he talks about breasts, you don't Someone get Someone out there up. make an ad for PKD's magazine, PKD's barely legal. I need this now. Go ahead, David. Back to you being serious. Sorry. I, I, I like the car. Uh, was it the car that was talking about the girl's breasts as well? And it was like, I don't know much about breasts. And I don't, you know, I'm a car. So, uh, I don't remember that. <laughs> so the next thing that I wanted to talk about was the, uh, I did have some quotes about the marriages, but um, yeah, yeah, go for it. Sorry, I really needed to drink water at that right at that precise moment. Yeah, so sorry, I went to the wrong page. Page fifty-two of the Mariner edition. Yeah, this is the part we talked about earlier with the. Uh, Wives, Shilling thought, more of a problem than an asset. The economic <laughs> aspects of our lives should, should never have been melded hopelessly with the sexual. It makes things too complex. Blame that on the Titanians and their desire to solve our difficulties with one neat solution covering all. What they've actually done is gotten us uh, entangled even more thoroughly. So the, I, here's the interesting thing about the multiple marriages and the things that's going on is this suggests that it was an idea that the Titanians like were like, you know what you guys need? Take it from us slugs. Yeah, right. <laughs> you need to marry all over the place. You need to have multiple marriages and need and then maybe you'll reproduce enough to survive. Yeah, that but, is very convoluted, the whole thing. Yeah. The yeah. marriages, the the pregnancies, the Right. And the luck. Right. The whole use of the term luck. Yeah, let's talk about that on page 102 of the Mariner edition. Lucky thought, this late in life, 150 years, and after so many tribes, after the failure of so many, many combinations. And, you know, this idea that, you know, that they just call getting pregnant luck. I guess if you're down to 15,000 people in New York City and your population is that low, I could see if you took, if you actually were like super into the survival of the human race, yeah, that that might mean something to you. But you know. the, the whole, you know, the the whole concept of having children, being excited about that, is so foreign to me that. <laughs> yeah, me too. I, I just don't. I don't get it. Yeah, we're. I don't think any one of the three of us are really breeders of any kind. I don't think any of us want to be in that camp. So. Well, you know, Anthony has a serious girlfriend now, so. She also is not interested in having kids, so that answers that question. Yeah, that answers that. <laughs> so we are like the worst three people yeah, to, talk about. <laughs> to talk about the desire to have children. Yeah, because I think my 
I God, the idea of me having kids is absurd. Right. So I don't know. Have you, I know David's is more of a environmental stance. Mine is just I don't want fucking kids. Yeah. There's the idea of me being a dad is almost it's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Well, yeah, it's the I, way I, I look at it too. Yeah, we don't need to go. We don't need to make this podcast about why we don't want to have kids. But um, but yeah, I think. Yeah, but it is central to the book. I mean, not us, but the yeah. So the, uh, I, but I do think we might feel differently if, like, we we were worried about the survival of the human race. Oh, I right in this position would probably be like, you know, let let it go. Right? <laughs> you know, I'm not gonna sing. I mean, in, in that in that sense, if we were a dying race like they are in this, yeah, yeah, I would probably be excited about have. I, I don't know if I would We'd be get a, a little layer bear. <laughs> I, I would be like, yeah, I'll do it. So here's here's my hot take. I don't have to look at it or talk at it, do I? Here's my hot take on that. That would have to, I would have to first give a shit about the future of humanity. Right. To do that, wow. I don't. So nice. Even then, I'm still uh, like nihilistic. Edgelord. Edgelord. But yeah, look, 32-year-old Anthony's still a little bit of an edgelord, but also... That, that's a serious statement. I, I, I don't feel any obligation to further the species. Right. Okay, so this is an aspect of, and this is one of the things that we... Don't you steamroll over my comments. <laughs> I'm not. I'm adding to it. Listen, when we first started this podcast and we were talking about the things that we wanted and liked about, or we wanted to read in PKD and the things we wanted to talk about right. was the ways that his fiction makes people think and the way that we are able to explore issues. And for whatever things Game Players of Titan has or does not have, if you really look at it, there are things to talk about. Yeah. This concept of luck. Well, I think there's always stuff to talk about any of Dick's work. Right. And that's what makes it so good. But I think that in the case of a lot of people are down on Game Players of Titan thinking that, that I mean, it is not one of his better works, for sure. But I think there are a lot of good things to talk about. And the fact is, like, this whole idea of luck and and, um, you know, the idea of would you, in this situation, if the bugs and the goddamn red Chinese <laughs> had, had uh, you know, basically laid waste to the planet and, you know, everyone's playing life, the board game to try and, right. you know, <laughs> would you, in that case, feel like a responsibility to reproduce? Because if I go 150 years like Pete Garden... I'm not worried about it, you yeah. know, at that point. I'm mostly just stoked that I've gone 150 years. Well, and he's he's pretty excited. He went out and got a box of cigars for everybody and got fucked up, you know, when it, when it happens. And, like, you know, like, Immediately like I'm, glad you're, I'm glad you're pregnant, but I'm partying alone tonight <laughs> with my auto-auto. So goodbye. Right. He cues up cool in the game. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I love that he, he even says, I have no idea when I'll be back. <laughs> like, this could be a week-long bender. I don't know. Oh, man. He is, yeah, he's pretty fucking serious about it. So, uh, are we done talking about luck, or do we have anything else to say nah. about that? No. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, uh, one of the other uh, elements of this that was interesting was the Rushmores, the AIs. We've already talked about that a little bit, yeah. but... Uh, I, I really definitely like that they use the, um, the Rushmores that they can just ask like, Hey, where was this person? Whatever. Kind of like, I, I imagine it to be similar to if somebody were really be able to be like, 
hey, Alexa, was my husband home today? Right. <laughs> and um, I, th- I, th- I think it was a lot like Tony Stark in, in the first Iron Man movie. Yeah. You know, uh, very casual relationships with these these uh, Rushmore things, ma- machines. Yeah, and I liked that the uh, tracing device was called the Tattletale. Right. The fucking Narcbot? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, and that was one of the funny things. So, um, and he has done this before. PKD wackadoo science. He's had. um, We really haven't punched up that segment of the podcast. Right. It hasn't been quite as as prevalent recently in the recent. We could have called uh, Man in the High Castle PKD's wackadoo bullshit philosophy. (laughs) Well, and this one's also hugely into a uh, into a bizarre philosophy when you when you start talking about. All the the psychology he's talking about in this has basically all been disproven over, you know, since then. Well, and I wanted to talk about that, too, because it's interesting because at the time in in science fiction, this is right around the time the Dianetics came out. Is it? Yeah, the early 60s. And I just finished reading Astounding, which is the the multi-character biography of um, John W. Campbell and all the writers that worked for him. Uh, Heinlein, Hubbard, and Asimov, and one of the things about it, it, John W. Campbell basically was the editor for Dianetics, and then he was the like the first person that Hubbard threw out. But John Campbell was like one of the <laughs> most important people in science fiction at the time. Yeah. So, and at the time, in Astounding Magazine, this is something that kind of plays into this is that. Campbell was constantly publishing articles about Dianetics and anti-psychology and, and how psychologists were evil in the pages of Astounding. <laughs> so, like, he was ripping off pages from his science fiction magazine to use it for his personal pulpit because early days of Scientology, John W. Campbell was, like, Hubbard's first big believer before Hubbard kicked him out. <laughs> And so I wondered when I was reading this, because I just finished reading Astounding before I read this, was was that an effect on that that aspect of this book? Right. But but let's let's not forget that there is wackadoo science. There's telekinesis transporting people from Earth to Titan and in in a matter of science. Well, I don't think that's science, is it? Well well it's not wackadoo science, but it's wackadoo. <laughs> this is wackadoo. It, it's something. But uh yeah. So, um, but yeah, those are, that's the last of the of the major themes of the book that I've got. But I definitely, uh, before we get into like you know what people have said about this book and what other reviews are out there, um, you know, I, I I just think we've got a lot of cool and interesting themes in the book, and we've got enough that you know for me that this makes it. I don't think this 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 is definitely not in cosmic puppets territory. It's more in the world Jones made kind of territory. Yeah, where, it definitely is. Where there's like, it's not great. It's not cohesive. It's not awesome, but it's cool and it has cool elements. And I'm freaking glad I read it. It's Tarantino esque. Well, yeah. And it just throws a bunch of shit at the wall <laughs> and you like whatever sticks in your head. Right. And. Before we get into our views, I just wanted to read some cool, some some interesting reviews that I read of it, and I'm wondering what you guys will think about these reviews. I read one that said, and this is from Rich Horton of the Sci-Fi site, um, the interwebs. The novel it most reminded me of 
is a third novel from the mid-60s, Clans of the Alphine Moon, Alphine Moon. Uh, like that novel, is awash with concerns with marriage, mental health, drug use. And like that novel, it features overtly science fictional elements such as silicon-based alien life forms. So that's kind of wackadoo science. Mm -hmm. um, to tell a story that at its base seems mostly about suburban life in the 60s. Yeah. Okay. That whole, uh, you know, the, psych uh, the psycho psychological stuff was huge in the 60s and 70s. You know, everyone was getting therapy and everyone was trying to figure out how the mind worked. And from what I've heard from certain professionals is that we no longer care about how things work, but how to deal with the things that happen. So we're, we're not trying to, we don't, we're not doing hypnotherapy and trying to figure out the root cause of things so much anymore in psychology. We're just trying to figure out how to cope with things, which I, I, is a, is a huge shift in the way people think. So the instead way, of instead yeah. of worrying about the pop psychology of, you know, oh why why don't I like squirrels? Oh I had a bad experience with a squirrel when I was five. It's what do I do about my hate hatred of squirrels? <laughs> All right. And, and, uh, but you know I don't hate squirrels. No, we like squirrels. Yeah. Um, all right, so uh, this comes from... Ducks, on the other hand. Fuck ducks. So uh, this comes from a, a blog called uh, MX Mossman. He's a serious... Yeah, sorry. At Blogspot.com. But he's a serious dickhead, and he's did, he did like a big series where he's reading a bunch of dick novels like we are. And he said of game players... Shout out to uh, who? Uh, MX Mossman. We haven't shouted out Tony Boucher. Shout out to MX Mossman. Yeah. The Game Players of Titan is what Casino Royale would have been if it had been written by Philip K. Dick rather than Ian Fleming. There's a there are secret organizations, murder mystery, battles between opposing ideologies, torture, and above all, a gameplay for huge stakes and the ownership of Berkeley, New York City, and ultimately the Earth itself. But since it's PKD, we also find post-apocalyptic societies, aliens, people with genetic and telekinetic abilities, and mounds of psychological intrigue and paranoia. And, oh, of course, drugs. <laughs> that makes it sound a lot better. Yeah, <laughs> right. And then, well, that's the thing is that with the, what Anthony's talking about—the part that uh, that he he really liked was the like there was a, a conspiracy of of psychics trying to take over the world. Yeah, which was fucking cool. It's a cool. There's a lot of cool ideas in this book, right? Yeah, none of them totally come to fruition. No, you know. And then the last one before we get into our review is from um, World Without End blog, another guy doing a dick read-through, Charles D. Mitchell. Shout out to Charles D. Mitchell. <laughs> Game Players of Titan, and now he really likes Game Players of Titan. He says, huh. Game Players of Titan is PKD really hitting a stride. It is a masterpiece of paranoia, he says, Whoa. where no one can be trusted to be who they claim to be, where the rules are made to be broken, and the protagonist must bluff his way through a game. He knows is a deadly sham. And how do you go about bluffing if half the people in the room can read your mind? The fact that PKD works out a method implies that he spent far too much energy in his personal life dealing with just barely more than earthbound issues, earthbound versions of the same issue. And remember that every morning on his walk to the typewriter, 
He must endure the glaring, empty eyes of metabolic god. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. How many titanium slugs <laughs> out of five do you give this novel, Langhorn J. Tweed? Well, I haven't thought about it until now. So, uh, let me see. I, I, I'm, I'm going to split one of those bugs in half and give it Two and a half. Ooh, low. Because it's, it's not quite up to snuff. And I, I love a lot of the ideas, and I know for a fact that PKD really explores some of those ideas really well in the future, which is, you know, yeah, that shouldn't even come into my review of it. But I know that I can see those ideas in here. And, but I can also see way too much of that that past confusion like in Jones made you know, where the story just doesn't make it. So, two and a half Vuggian Sluggians. <laughs> Vuggian Sluggians. I am going to give... I originally, when I first finished reading it, I gave it uh, four heat needles out of five, but I'm going to burn off one of those <laughs> heat needles, <laughs> throw it out the window of my auto-auto, uh, and... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to give it three heat needles out of out of five. Ah. <clears throat> Anthony Trevino. I'm going to give it... Anthony, go. Go, Anthony. <laughs> I'm going to give it... Oh, my gosh. I'm going to give it... Three issues of PKD's Barely Legal out of five. <laughs> <laughs> I... I really like the book once we find the body in the car. And I think that there was a lot more interesting stuff going on with the paranoia of, you know, none of these players can remember what happened. Um, which, which that would have been a nice there's a, story. There's too. a group of psychic weirdos that all seem to not know what the fuck they're doing either, but are trying their best to stop someone from doing something. <laughs> right. um, there's a bunch of petty ass aliens and you know, there's some cool stuff. But nothing gets really resolved. All the threads that get open, for the most part, don't have any kind of closure. Yeah. But I still enjoyed it more than, say, The World Jones made. So I'll give it three, because I, I think this is PKD hitting a lot of those notes that he'll, he, you know, later we kind of know him for. Yeah. Um, yeah. So three of those three of those copies of PKD's Barely Legal out of five. Would I read this again? Oh, God, no. No. But I liked it more <laughs> than Man in the High Castle. <laughs> would you read it if somebody hired you to make a film? I 100% absolutely would do that. Okay. <laughs> so let's talk that, about This that. is me and David pandering to any listeners. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> who might own the film rights to YouTube game. to Players of Titan. Yeah. Hire us. Uh, please hire me. Yeah. So um, that's next. What would we do to turn this into a film? We've already talked a little bit about that. But sure. who wants to go first on this one? Uh, Anthony, you had a clear idea. Yeah, you Anthony, you were talking about it earlier. So it became, at first I thought, who, what director and writer team could I get to kind of make the first half of this very kind of little dull game political strategy talk that is like the first 60 pages of the book? Who, who could I get to make that interesting as a movie? Right. Aaron Sorkin? <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> Not who I would have chosen, not who I chose, but... He's a little busy doing uh, To Kill a Mockingbird on Broadway. But then, 
But then we get to the scene where Hawthorne steps out of the elevator and gets shot in the face. Yeah. And it solidified my choice for this for this adaptation, which would totally and unapologetically be the Coen brothers. Oh, really? Woo! Interesting. Uh Because I think they do well with mundane. They bring a certain sense of intrigue to the mundane in their movies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Especially I I recently rewatched Burn After Reading and I actually I hated it the first time I saw it. But I it's don't, one of my least favorite of theirs. But I, I think at the time I didn't get it, and then rewatching it at 32, I got it a lot more. Yeah. And it kind of struck a chord with me. So so I would like to see the Coen brothers do a Game Players of Titan adaptation. Maybe from an Aaron Sorkin script, but I'd be cool with it just being them. Huh. It's a really big uh, get for Game Players so of what, Titan. So what, what would you... Uh... So, what, what would you change? Would would you keep the story pretty much the same? Or? Well, let's let's talk about what what before you do that. Let's talk about what a, what a Coen Brothers game players of Titan would look like because I think what would be cool about it is they could do. Well, it's I, gonna have John Malkovich because this is my goddamn dream movie. So and John Goodman and John Goodman in uh, oh my god in John Turturro, right? <laughs> so and Peter Stromer. Here's what they would do really well with it is I think that they could do like a retro sci-fi look too. Yeah, that, like, yeah. yeah. Peter Stromer voicing E.B. Black, the bug. Yeah. Oh, Peter <laughs> Stromer is definitely a bug. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Um, John Turturro is Hawthorne. Nice. Hawthorne from... He's in the no, Hawthorne in the, this book. Is there a Hawthorne in this book? Is the I, cop. Yeah, the cop. Oh, okay. Sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Anyways. Um, John Malkovich is Pete Garden. Mm, John Malkovich is Pete Garden, or Joe Schilling, either one. Listen, John Malkovich is in this movie. I don't want to hear it. I, I they're both Jerry's. So. I do a little. Well, right? yeah, but yeah, but so, I, and he is old as fuck. So yeah, but I think they would have to look a little bit younger as the Jerry. But you know what? Some of these characters, some of these characters are such blank slates, David, that you can yeah. age them any way you wanted to. If we're being honest, and it really doesn't matter because they're 150 fucking years old. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. So you went with a, a pie in the sky uh, kind of film make the career. I tried to go a little bit more like realistic. Okay. With with this, and I have an interesting, weird choice, which is um, T. J. Scott. And Tell us a little bit about T.J. Scott. Because yeah. you probably don't know who T.J. Scott is. Well, it's true. T.J. Scott is a director who does mostly television, who has done um, recent... He did a lot of the episodes of Orphan Black and did and recent did the most recent episode mm-hmm. of Star Trek Discovery. And the reason why I say uh, where I think T.J. Scott is is because... He has done some specific episodes of some of the shows that he's done where his episodes stood out with a visual style mm-hmm. that, that I noticed. And specifically, he had to marry, um, in the l- most recent episode of Star Trek Discovery, he had to tie story elements back to the first TV pilot of Star Trek from 1964. Okay. And he did a lot of these really amazing wide shots that are the kind of thing that were very cinematic and uh, kind of married the old look of the show. And so I just noticed it. And when I, and he was somebody who every time he, he directed an episode of Orphan Black, I always noticed that those episodes were, were well-directed and he did a really good job um, directing some of the paranoia of 
the characters. Now, that could just be the show running of, of War from the Black. But realistically, you're going to try to, you're, you're, it's going to be hard with a pulpy novel like this to get a big name director or whatever. So yeah, I, right. I had this thought, you do that. Now, how I would do Game Players of Titan as a movie is I think Larry was correct. Excuse me, Mr. Tweed, Mr. Langhorn J. Tweed, was correct about here's this thread of the Agatha Christie thing. That I just want to point out that David never let me finish and give how I would do it. Okay, yeah, so let's... No, it's fine. No, because I imagine we're on the same page. Okay. So I definitely think we focus on the paranoia and the... Um, I liked your idea that you said already earlier that we open on him basically waking up the murder having happened and we're yeah. kind of going backwards to try and solve the crime. All the members of Pretty Blue Fox don't remember what happened. We might even go so far as that, I mean, they know that the game exists. They just had the memory wipe for this one thing. But um, I think we're leading up to, we were going to have to solve the mystery somehow when we get to Titan. Uh, like on Titan, we're going to have to solve the mystery and then we can still have this, the, the carry psychic blowout. And we have right. will learn a lot on how to do this story by watching many of the James Bond movies that involve gambling, like For Her Eyes Only, um, Casino Royale, uh, Doctor No, and you. And I usually hate the gambling scenes in those movies, but I think I would want to try and kind of build some tension around those scenes. So. If I were working, if I was adapting Game Players of Titan, I would rewatch some of those Bond movies that were about gambling, maybe Molly's Game by Aaron Sorkin, and try to see like how some of these films that did gambling on screen really well did it, and see if you can marry uh, Agatha Christie. Wait, Molly's Game? Molly's Game, yeah. I've never seen that. What is that? It's Idris Elba, I believe, and oh, it's J- Jessica Chastain. Um, and Iris oh, Elba. is that the one where they're they're like in the forest or something? No, 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 no. It's a true life story. Oh um, no! Oh, okay. She's the 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 high stakes poker. Right. Um, okay. The woman that ran the high stakes yeah. games. It's a great movie. Is it? Yeah. It could have. I mean, well, you just have to see. I mean, it's not. Well, it's Aaron Sorkin. So. Yeah, and the dialogue, and it's really good. Um, really, an Aaron Sorkin movie? Yeah. <laughs> Well, here's what's interesting about Molly's game. Isn't this his, his directorial debut? Right. And he breaks a lot of screenwriting rules in it. Like, for example, the film's all told in voiceover, and it shouldn't work the way that it does. But <laughs> right. because it's Aaron Sorkin, he gets away with it. It's a really good movie, Molly's game. But I think you could get a lot out of out of, uh, kind of, the, out of watching how those gambling scenes were done if you were kind of preparing to write a screenplay of Game Players of Titan. What did I miss, Anthony? Huh. I think you nailed it. Is that what you really think, or are you just into the (laughs) message you're writing right now? No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, good enough. Good enough. Um, But yeah, that's that's how I I would... uh, Yeah, you definitely have that. That opening scene, uh, opening shot has to be him and his auto-auto asleep and him waking up and Oh, Where the 100%. fuck am I? What if John Malkovich were the sassy car? <laughs> there you go. And John Turturro was Pete Garden. <laughs> no, I like John Turturro's Hawthorne. Yeah. Okay. What other Coen Brothers actor could be Pete I mean, Francis McDormand could be in it, but not as Pete Garden. Well, there's a, uh, there are some or good... maybe she could. Some good female Patricia characters Garden. here. 
I'm down for it. Patricia Garden. Yeah. Well, who would be the Patricia McLean? Uh, mm, Tilda Swinton. How about Chastain? Or Jessica Chastain. But yeah. I was just thinking for Coen Brothers. Oh. Stable. Drawing from there. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, Chastain would be good for that. Do that. I like Jessica Chastain in everything. So. Do you? I do. I like her a lot. I wasn't a big fan of uh, one of those movies I saw of hers. But. Uh, well, yeah, and she was in Take Shelter with um, our boy Michael Shannon. Who, oh, yeah. hold on. Who is Michael Shannon in this movie? <laughs> That's true. Who is Michael Shannon in this movie? It was Miss Sloan that I didn't really like. He's got to be one of the EE, like the, the bug. Oh, what if Michael Shannon was Hawthorne and John Turturro was Pete Gardner, Joe Schilling? I mean, it's not out of range for Michael Shannon to be a grumpy-ass cop. Just right. in, yeah. this, in this sense, he's a precog cop. Precog cop. Huh. <laughs> precog cop. <laughs> that sounds like a cracked or mad magazine adaptation of a PKD book. Precog cop. <laughs> what about him as Mustaine or whatever that guy's name is? What about Mustaine? Is Dave Mustaine in this movie? <laughs> Musquan? M- Muckin? Uh, what are the psychic guy's name? Mustro or I, I, I'm uh, Muntro. 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 Mutro, Mutro Scotly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I think we've uh, well established that we should make the movie of Game Players of Titan. This is a case where I think you would want to stray away from the source material a little bit. You just, de- you definitely, yeah, you want to fix some things that were lacking in the book, and right. <laughs> you want to make it coherent. <laughs> yeah, you want to be faithful to the themes, and you want to. Um, you know, kind of solve some problems that the, the book, or some things that the book was lacking. So, um, that's it. So, uh... Yeah, I don't get to make a choice. Oh, wait! I'm yeah, sorry. David, you're just fucking steamrolling over everybody tonight. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. He's me. like, I get to say my bit. Fuck all y'all. I mean, David is the voice box of the podcast. Right. He does like to talk. <laughs> He's been known to talk. Well, the, the, the fact is, I really don't have a clear idea of what I would directorially what I would want to see from this. So, you know, it's just as well that I didn't get a choice. Well, no, you've got a choice. You can still make one. But, um, yeah, you know, it's just, I, I, you know, again, I would like to see a lot of weird visuals, but, mm-hmm. uh, but it really like, like that end part when they all get blasted into whatever dimension they're in. Mm-hmm. Like I, Again, uh, Gaspar Noé would be great for that. Oh, I never thought of a Gas- Gaspar Noé as the game players of Titan. I hope yeah. you're ready for some real key parties then. Right. <laughs> but that's, again, I, I know I chose him before, but I think that's who I'd have to go with. Again, you know, he, he has that, that crazy visual style, but also that really harsh visual style and, and storytelling way of, of doing things. So I'm going with Gaspar Noe again. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, yeah, there's a lot of ways you could go. I, I, I think, um, uh, Paul Verhoeven, uh, game players, the Titan would be interesting too. Right. Um, is he even directing anymore? He is. Well, I hope you're ready for Michael Ironside to be in it. <laughs> I'm for it. He, he's not making movies. In there's Hollywood. your cop right there. Paul Verhoeven. There's your Hawthorne. Paul Verhoeven's not making movies in Hollywood anymore. 
he's he's isn't he doing like documentaries no he's doing like draw he's doing like art house films in europe basically Ah. but he made like a super he made one that had an academy award nominated performance a couple years ago it was like called l i think Mm -hmm. e l l e it was really good and then he did like a like a nazi like germany set um movie too but Hmm. anyways all right so that's it for game players of titan um yes um so our next book episode is anthony what what (laughs) am i doing a thing what what doing a thing what what it is martian time slip On an arid Mars, local bigwigs compete with earthbound interlopers to buy up land before the UN develops it and its value skyrockets. Martian Union leader Arnie Cott has an ace up his sleeve, though. An autistic boy named Manfred who seems to have the ability to see the future. In the hopes of gaining an advantage on a Martian real estate deal, powerful people force Manfred to send them into the future where they can learn about development plans. But is Manfred sending them to the real future or one colored by his own dark and paranoid filter as the time travelers are drawn into Manfred's dark worldview in both the future and present? The cost of doing business may drive them all insane. I'm not going to get excited about this because I'm always disappointed, but it sounds interesting. <laughs> well, I, I'll tell you, an autistic kid. We, this is almost, is it's Stephen much King better than the game players of Titan. Um, we've both read this one before, Larry and I. Yeah. I, I, I love Martian Time Slip, but I read it the first time. So I actually, I, I didn't, I yeah. didn't, but that's a, probably a matter of perspective because, you know, like, like I said, I was reading all the other, like the, the best of Philip K. Dick. Well, I think and this one is very, is very different than those other, those other ones. I, it, it does have the same elements. But. It is considered one of his best though. Is it? Yeah, it's considered up there in that tier, but uh, for the '60s, anyways. Um, and d- I first read it around 2000. It's not a bad book, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, I look forward to reading it. So it'll be a second time read for both Larry and I, and first time for young Anthony, Sir Anthony, <laughs> Sir. <laughs> anyways, uh, that's uh, I Sir think Anthony that's it. of the Dago Trevinos. <laughs> All right, so uh, keep it paranoid, everybody. Be always paranoiding. Stay paranoid.